The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff. What's your love style? You may not realize you have a love style, but according to my guest today, everyone does. And not knowing your love style can run or even ruin your love life. However, knowing your love style and how to work with it can be a powerful tool to healing old wounds and creating a secure and passionate relationship, the one you desire. Today, you can find out what your love style is and how to work with it. I'm Ellen Etoff, the Soulful Sex Coach, and today on Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life, the topic is your love style, the key to a secure and passionate relationship. My guests are Carista Luminaire and Lion Goodman. Now, making your relationship work isn't rocket science. It's neurology. Every infant needs a secure bond with his or her parents, but few of us got what we really needed. This formed a set of relationship behaviors which guests Carista and Lion call your love style. Your love style causes you to repeat troublesome patterns in your adult relationships. But fortunately, you're not stuck with those patterns. Yay! With awareness and practice, you can rewire your brain, mind, and heart to have the relationship you want. And this is such good news. When you understand the science of early childhood bonding, and your own and your partner's patterns, you can learn specific practices that will re-secure your love bond, which expands your intimacy and your passion. Carista and Lion have brought together research from developmental psychology, neurobiology, and trauma healing into a practical set of solutions you can use to shift your relationship rapidly so you can get the love and passion you really want and deserve. See, now, I'm going to start by introducing Lion because I've known him for a number of years, though we don't connect very often. There are three major themes in everything he teaches and shares over the years. One, beliefs create our reality. Two, you can manifest anything. And three, it all happens through relationships. Now, here's how they tie together. The subconscious patterns you acquired as a child can predict your success or lack of success in most areas of your life, including your love life. By consciously investigating and changing those early programs and patterns, you can create, shift, or heal anything. And then you can create the life you want and deserve. Lion is CEO of Luminary Leadership Institute. He has 35 years' experience as an executive coach, counselor, and healer. His executive search consulting firm served more than 250 companies and C-suite executives across the U.S. 
He created a methodology for shifting beliefs at the core of the psyche, which is now used by hundreds of coaches and therapists internationally. He's the author of Creating on Purpose, Men Lightenment and Transform Your Beliefs. Now, Carista Luminaire, PhD, probably doesn't know this, but I discovered her work over a year ago when she and I were both interviewed on different programs of Max von Prague's Private Matters TV show. And I was very impressed with her. And later I discovered that she and Lion are a couple. That's what happens when you don't just... When you know, stay in touch with your friends often enough. Anyway, Carista is president of Luminary Leadership Institute, which brings leaders into alignment with their highest virtues. She integrates child psychology, adult relationship dynamics, and development of the true self in her counseling and healing work with executives, entrepreneurs, and organizations. She's pioneered numerous educational programs focused on the integration of personality and soul. She's the author of the groundbreaking book, Parenting Begins Before Conception. So, Karistin Lyon, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to have you both on the show. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you here. So, before we get into exactly what love styles are, Karistin Lyon, welcome. I'm delighted to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. So before we get into exactly what love styles are and how our listeners can find out what theirs are, I'd like to set the context. How does security or lack of security impact passion in a relationship? Well, I'll start with that one. Um, you know, we all have, as, as children, a deep need for security. Every infant comes out of the womb needing to be held and cared for. And depending on what happens in our early childhood, we set up a certain pattern of responding in relationships, and that pattern continues all the way into our adult life at the subconscious level. So when our partner suddenly turns away from us, if our mother turned away from us, we get triggered. And those triggers are what really cause problems in relationships. And so whatever the pattern was that got set up when we were infants and little children gets repeated over and over and over again in our adult relationships. And by learning what those patterns are, we can begin to shift them. So when a person has security, when they feel loved, security is really our first experience of love. We're cared for, we're held, we're, we're we feel warm and next to the person. We know that they're going to take care of us. That's our first feeling of love. So when our partner brings us that feeling, we get very excited, and that's where passion comes from. And when we don't have that, it's very difficult to bring up passion and, and, and romance because we're feeling anxious and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Krista, would you like to add to that? That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, we all know that. Oh, did you have something to add to that, Carista? Um, I'd just say that women, in particular, I know as they get older, their sense of safety with their partner is a direct correspondence to their ability to really feel they can open up their bodies, open up their hearts, to really embody their greatest their greatest passion. Why do you think that happens as we get older? Um, I, well, 
in working with women for years and couples and also as an infertility specialist, I would say that when we're in our teens or when we're in our young, you know, youth in the early 20s, our hormones and our passion and our lack and our wounding are often blinding us. So there's less of a of a sense of how important security is, I'd say, for the average young woman. Right. I can understand that. And certainly so, young men. Men are, men are driven by their hormones, and it's said that they can have sex with anyone anytime. Uh, but the truth is, is that underneath that drive, there's a real need for security and for um, a feeling of being home. And really what what young men and men all over are seeking is that sense of, ah, I'm home. I feel secure. I, I, I don't need to wander. I'm, I'm here. Right. And I have observed that as people get more mature, I should say, um, that this, this desire for deeper intimacy in their relationships, in their sex lives, um, seems to increase. So we all know that our childhood affects our current life, but you're bringing awareness to all of this and more specifically our individual patterns. So, but why do you think relationships aren't easier and why is it always so confusing, this whole love realm? Mm. Well, a lot of it is because the neuroscience, 20 years of the latest neuroscience and over 2,000 studies has shown that our early childhood bonding dynamics actually impact our adult intimacy dynamics. So most people aren't aware that the way they actually neurologically, subconsciously wired towards another, their primary caregiver, their mother or father, actually has a direct, direct relationship to whether they feel safe, whether they trust their intimate partner. And there's different love styles that are born out of these early experiences. Yeah, so what are the five love styles? Well, and where I do just, they come from? Yeah, we, we've, we've created five love styles. Um, I wanted to add, before I go into that, that a very exciting study that came out of Kaiser, 17,000 members who voluntarily participated in a study to find out how their stress and traumatic experiences during childhood affect their adult health. And it was amazing, Ellen, that most people experienced harsh events in their childhood, is what the study says. 63% of the people who participated in the study had experienced at least one category of childhood trauma. And over 20% of the people, this is a Kaiser study, experienced three or more categories of trauma. They call them adverse childhood experiences. So this so people don't have real- to feel like they're alone. They should know that this is a very widespread common experience for people to have some experiences of childhood trauma that are affecting their adult relationships. Absolutely. And they, the categories were emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, even emotional neglect and physical neglect. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, there's many, many distinctions. People can find the ACE study online. And this leads to the, uh, the neuroscience talking about primarily out there in the literature, three primary attachment styles is where people would find that information. We have developed this kind of this neuroscience into more practical mainstream application for people to really be able to diagnose easily their love style and our our love style profile quiz, which we'll mention. People can discover that in five minutes. Um, And the five love styles, as we define them, are secure, the secure love style, and then we have insecure avoidant love style, insecure anxious love style, trauma, 
love style and healing love style. Would you like me to give you some nuances of each one? Sure. Okay. Let's get to, let's get to, oh, by the way, uh, well, let's, we'll tell people how to get their own in just a few minutes. Let's get, let yeah. you have a chance to explain them in a little more depth. Sure. So there's two major styles with several sub-styles. So within those five just mentioned, you're either securely attached to someone, you're, to your primary caregiver and, and or your later adult partners, which is considered healthy love, predictable love, or you're insecurely attached, which is considered less healthy or some people call it dysfunctional or toxic love. And the essence of secure love is the feeling of, I trust you'll be there. You're predictable and I feel safe and secure. And from the child's point of view, when you can say, oh, I had secure attachment as a child with one or ideally both primary caregivers or if you had grandparents or step-parents, that secure love is 80-plus percent of the time. Same with adults. It's not that parents are perfectly there all the time. They have moods. They have, you know, their own triggers. But the majority of the time, there's this feeling of, I trust you'll be there when I need you. Whereas the essence of insecure love, of which there's these several sub-styles, the anxious insecure and the avoidant insecure, the general feeling is, I can't trust you'll be there. You're unpredictable. I feel insecure more than safe, and there's a low expectation for love and getting a positive response when a need for connection. So this distinction, insecure, insecure, attachment, love style, plays out in all the primary relationships with your parents, with your partners, friends, colleagues, and even with your children. You want me to go on to the, the secure a little bit more? Well, let's just go on to the uh, finish up the five types okay. before we get to commercial. Okay. So um, then yeah, we the other have, types of insecure, yeah. Sure. So we have the trauma attachment, which um, is a very specialized manifestation of insecure attachment. It's usually on top of someone who feels the anxious where they're running with a lot of fear that someone's going to be there and they're not going to be there, or the avoidant where the avoidant is, it's unsafe to open, I'm just going to shut down and not depend on anyone. Put trauma attachment on top of that, what does that look like? That's the scary parent who, when I look to them, they're, you know, they're alcoholic behavior or their raging behavior, their abusive behavior terrifies me. And trauma attachment creates a disorganized nervous system. And we see that with children and adults when their reactions are often disproportionate to what's happening because they're getting triggered into a PTS reaction that when you respond to me, it scares me, it terrifies me, it puts me into a, a high alert state, which Lion will describe the neuroscience of ahead. And the fifth style, which we've developed, is called the healing attachment style. And that's when you use the relationship, mother and child, and certainly as adults, the good news is we can heal all of this trauma and insecurity when we use the partnership to heal each other, to embody the love and, and rewire these historical insecure issues, which is the okay. great news. Excellent. Okay. I've got more to ask about that, but we need to take a commercial break. So before we do, I want to tell listeners that you can find out what your love style is for free. It takes five minutes and you get your results immediately. Go to tinyurl.com. That's like small, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L, like understand relationship love, forward slash love style quiz six, the number six. Be sure you get that in or you won't get there. So um, we're going to take a short break. This is Ellen Etoff, and my guests are Carista Luminaire and Lion Goodman, and you're listening to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Stay tuned. 
Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica, and my guests are Carista Luminaire and Lion Goodman. And we're discussing how your love style is the key to having a secure and passionate relationship. Now, Carista was just listing the five uh, styles and the essence of each of those. And regarding the one, Carista, that you said is, um, I believe you called it insecure trauma. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. So I just wanted to ask, are, does a person with this pattern tend to be the one who is either somehow abusive in a relationship or is attracted to someone who will be physically, emotionally, or otherwise abusive to them? Yes, yes. They okay. have the uh, subconscious patterns that love is mixed with, with something scary and overwhelming and threatening. So they're used to love being mixed with being threatened. And, right. and many of us are hybrid that. combinations. Many of us are hybrid combinations. So we have a dominant style. We may have a parent where we had um, safety and security and another caregiver where we had this abusive, scary mix. So we could, in one relationship, go and bond and work out, you know, one style and in another relationship work out another style or a combination back and forth. That's why people have trouble seeing their own patterns because it can shift in different relationships, you're saying, if they have a combination. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. So now 
you've talked about brain science and such. So where do the neurosciences fit into this work you're doing? Are, are our brains in control of our relationships? Well, yes. In fact, our, our brains are, are in control a lot of the time because <laughs> most of our reactions are subconscious. So the most important part of the brain that, that has to do with this is the amygdala. That's part of the limbic system or the emotional brain. The amygdala is uh, the danger detector. And it's always on the lookout for anything that might be dangerous. Now, if you're in a secure place with your partner, uh, the amygdala is quiet. It's like everything's okay. There's no danger. But as soon as something happens that looks like it might be dangerous, the amygdala sort of goes on alert. Uh, we call it going from green to yellow. And it begins looking to see what might be the problem. It's sort of like a smoke alarm that says, hey, there's smoke, there might be fire. Pay attention, get, get alert. And that's, that stage of alertness uh, brings up your energy in case you need to run or the old fight or flight mm -hmm. syndrome. Uh, and so if your partner, for example, uh, gets up and leaves the room, for someone who's anxious, uh, they might go on high alert. Oh, my God, am I being abandoned? And so the person may come back in the room, and now the, their partner who is on high alert uh, is sensitive to anything that might be said. So if the partner says, um, you know, I'm thinking about going out tomorrow night, that could trigger a whole reaction because the amygdala is already on alert, and now it's like, oh, my God, he's leaving me. Okay. So, um, so that's one of the parts of the brain that's most important, and we teach people how to use this alert system and give each other signals so that they can relax the amygdala because security is when the amygdala goes, okay, everything's okay, I'm being held. So for an infant, when the child is crying and upset, there's something wrong, and the mother picks up the child and begins caring for it, it can then relax back into a quiet state. So that's just that's one part of the brain that's most important and how we get triggered in relationships. Wow. So, but what you're saying is the good news is we can actually learn about and train our own amygdala mm -hmm. and neuros and physiology to not set off alarms all the time so we can be relaxed and more present in the moment and work with our situation. And we can also help our partner understand us and, and we can, of course, we understand them better. That's right. There's a and certain amount you can do on your own. For example, mindfulness exercises can help you recognize that your own signals are going off. But what's most important and what we teach couples is how to communicate about their limbic system. It's like, hey, I'm on, I'm on yellow. Uh, I, need some, I need some help here. And we really do need the other right. person to, to help care for us and bring us back into that secure, quiet state. Okay, so um, you have a program that addresses all of this, I know, called Five Keys to a Secure and Passionate Relationship. So these are the, these are the five keys that are the solution, right? So what are those five keys? Can you share uh, the, those? Yes. The, uh, the five keys are, um, first, how your inner child runs your love life. That's what we've been talking about, about these early childhood attachment patterns. Uh, the second key is understanding your attachment style, your love style, and also your partner's love style. Because when you have two people with two different love styles, you have to learn to uh, work with each other's style. It's, uh, it's different. You're, the other person needs something different than you do. Uh, the third key is learning to 
to use these healing techniques, what we call a healing attachment style, uh, in order to bring both partners back into a more secure state. And when security happens for both people and safety, that's when passion can bloom. And that's when when, Mm. uh, romance goes up passion goes up because it's coming out of that sense of security. It's like you're not worried all the time. You feel secure, and now the love can come out. Uh, The fourth key is learning the nonverbal love languages, which we'll talk about in a bit. And the fifth key is, is the strategies that enable you to continue to grow and help each other uh, both neurologically and through our attachment style to feel more and more secure as you grow together. Now, this is so interesting, and I'm, the program sounds really in-depth. Um, what I'm wondering, though, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this from the perspective of a listener who either may be single or who's had a life of uh, you know, lots of relationships, people, I don't think, necessarily think of passion and security together. Mm-hmm. They may say, well, gee, you know, I feel most passionate when I'm not really committed to somebody or engaged with somebody. So what do you have to... Uh, say about that? Yeah. Well, we say everyone gets to be true to their own guiding principles, values, beliefs of what what is meaningful for them. So this is not really a personal reflection. This is based on the neuroscience showing that the relationships, the enduring relationships, the ones that had really flourished in terms of long-term marriages, had one common theme. It's not that they had a technique that they all shared or the same background. The, the, The really outstanding factor was that they made each other a priority. So they were like they became the oasis in the desert of life. And it's the same with a child who had secure attachment with their parents. If they could depend on at least one primary caregiver to be there, that they could trust when they were in in experiences of the need for connection to be co-regulated and to be really nourished in, in, as a result of needing someone, depending on someone, interdependent, that they would be more self-confident personalities in general. And what this study showed was that we, the series of studies was that the, the relationships and the people that were most independent and confident out in the world had a primary love source they could come back to. Now, if you don't have a partner, you may have a sister or you may have a grandparent or a therapist or, you know, someone that you can have that sense of, I'm in distress, my, I'm in yellow or red, and you help me actually go back to green, to a place of peace and security, Mm. because I can't self-regulate. I'm not designed by nature to be a human being and completely depend on myself. Because what is love? Love is actually in relationship to another person. That's why we call this body work confused about love. That's all it is. A lot of these vicious cycles and, you know, feelings of isolation or trauma or dysfunctional relationships are we're confused that we actually need someone that we feel safe and secure with. And Mm -hmm. I know most People being a couples therapist and a, a therapist for 35 years, myself, most people who come in under distress are in reaction to rejection, abandonment, or some feeling of distress in relationship to another person, even their boss. Right, right. So, you know, my question was really kind of playing devil's advocate because I have to totally agree with you in the sense that I fully believe that trust, which does relate to security, and you mentioned the word trust, is really 
the key, one of the keys, an important key to sexual ecstasy, because if we can't trust and if we can't trust our partner to be there and not leave us when we're just doing something or being in a way that's doing something unusual or being expressive in a way that they didn't expect or that we might not have expected, then we can't fully, we can't be fully self-expressive and fully spontaneous and really let go in our relationship and particularly in our lovemaking. If if you're fully trusting and feel fully secure, that is sort of like a window, an opening to the potential for really connecting with all that is and expressing whatever comes up without censoring, without self-censoring. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. And a lot of people, because of their early childhood insecurity, associate love with insecurity. And so they stay in this kind of insecure, anxious state, and that seems exciting to them because of their early childhood bonding pattern. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. They stay in kind of red, uh, in the yellow zone, huh? The yellow right. alert zone. Right. Right. And if it works it. for them, if it truly works for them, you know, there's no judgment. It's it's whether they really want to experience what it's like to be in a relationship where they're not afraid of being rejected or abandoned. Because if you think about it, when you feel the listener, I'm saying, ponder someone you've been intimate with, when there's suppressed resentment, or there's some fear that you might lose them or be judged or blamed or, or, or left, are you really going to open up and give the best of your loving desire for that person, which is what passion is born out of. Passion is the sexuality blended with the deep, deep loving feeling. That's passion yes. at its best. Absolutely. Right on. So you talk about nonverbal love styles. So what are the three nonverbal love styles? And and how can they or how do they awaken a great love life? Yeah, the three nonverbal languages we call them love, are um, a part of our very practical, simple way to help couples rewire. They don't have to be into the science and they don't really have to even understand the theory so much as this the simple notion that most of our early childhood wiring with our primary caregiver, whether we felt they were safe or not, whether we trusted them, was happening non-verbally. It's all happening the first two years before we even learn our love languages. So the great news is that what we discovered for adults who have no idea how to stop these vicious reactive cycles of insecurity with each other is to bring them back to those three basic languages our primary caregiver were giving us one way or the other, whether we were safe or not. And that was the eyes, how they looked at us, their tone mm-hmm. of voice, and their body language. Those are the three nonverbal love languages. The great news is what we discovered with couples who are in a lot of insecure reactive cycles is that not, it wasn't just what they were saying to each other, the content in their processing cycles and how they related, but the way they looked at each other. So if you say, I, you can trust me, I really, you know, you're my primary person, there's no one else, and yet the eyes are looking distrustful and the tone of voice is defensive and the body language is closed down, the person isn't going to trust them. So how Mm -hmm. do we help bring people back from red to green is we say, if you're going to want to soothe and be a safe source for that person, we want to inspire you to look at this person with loving eyes like you needed from your parent and be aware if your tone of voice is angry and agitated, they're going to not stay in green. And if your body language is closed, it's going to be hard for them to really rest in a feeling of safety and security with you. Yeah. One of the techniques so, we teach 
people, especially men, is when their their woman is upset. Uh, most men tend to want to go away from that as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's like I'm out of here. <laughs> and so we, we we teach them. That oh, they, really? They have to be counterintuitive. Like the intuition is get out, but the but the counter is get closer. Bring this woman into your arms, hold her, give her a hug, let her know that she's loved, and that's going to quiet her down way faster than anything you could say. Because once the amygdala takes over, the cortex, the language brain, is basically offline. So it doesn't matter what you say when you're upset. The uh, words are not going to get that person to quiet down. Yeah. And, Ellen, I want to say, um, to be very transparent here, Lion and I, in our courses and um, when we talk publicly, we are very open about the fact that we call ourselves recovering insecure, recovering insecure, anxious, with a traumatic attachment background. I had a lot of abuse in my background, and I had a rageaholic father, and I even had sexual abuse from someone outside the family as a child. And Lion being a recovering insecure avoidant, which is the style that usually shuts down when it feels threatened, whereas the anxious might self, we escalate, we get more critical, we, we need the connection, we're, we're, we're preoccupied with the fact that we could be abandoned, so we're watching the verbals and the nonverbals, and most couples who are in these vicious cycles where, one, the, where the anxious, someone like myself, is more pursuing and someone like Lyon is more avoidant, more the feminine, masculine, general archetype, we find that they don't know how to get out of these cycles because they're needing the other to understand what they need to get from red, yellow to green. And we're in different love styles, so we have no idea. And so part of it is diagnosing your own love style, which our profile quiz does very quickly, understanding so your partner's love style, and then rewiring is so simple. It does take practice. We've well, let's get to simple. that in a moment there. Excuse me, I do have to run us off to a little break here. Yep. But it sounds like you two are great role models. So let's pick that up when we come back. And before we go, I want to direct you again to where you can get your free Love Styles quiz. It takes just five minutes. Go to um, tiny, that's T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com forward slash love style quiz six and that's singular love style quiz the number six and this is going to be our last short break this is ellen etoff with my guest carista luminaire and lion goodman on ecstatica we'll be right back We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhanced libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. 
Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. We are in the midst of a time of vast opportunity on our planet right now. If we can master ourselves to have our minds be our allies, we can then lead the authentic lives we desire. But to get beyond the everyday mundane life chosen for us by our minds, we need tools. Sometimes we're not aware of the subconscious thoughts, beliefs, and conclusions our minds have made, and this is where we need the help. Tune in to Create Your Best Life Ever with your host, Allison J.K., and receive those tools for clearing and healing and feel what else is possible. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Ecstatica. This is Ellen Etoff with my guests Carista Luminaire and Lion Goodman discussing your love styles. And before we took break, we were just talking about how people who do have a lot of wounding in their past can heal uh, together. So why don't you go ahead and pick up on that? And and also, maybe you can give a, an example of another couple or yourselves and how this information really helps resolve the deeper relationship issues and creates that greater sense of love and security and, and passion in your relationship. Well, I'll begin. Um, my history with women and relationships uh, is, is long and interesting, and I won't go into it. <laughs> but I, I've had some great relationships, but I've also, uh, I also recognized at some point that I, each relationship had a level of insecurity that, that didn't work for me. And so I often was looking for the next relationship while I was still in the one I was in uh, because it wasn't satisfying. And uh, when I began studying this material with Carista, I recognized that my attachment style was insecure avoidant, that I, I had very little security with my mother, and that I kept repeating this insecurity with each of my partners. There was always some element that kept things uncertain. And that was what love was to me. And that's why we call our program Confused About Love, because we're all confused. We all have these patterns, and we think we know what love is, but we just learned from our parents, and of course, they were confused too. So once I understood this and I recognized that what my really deep need was, was security, then in relationship with Carista, I suddenly found what I had always been looking for. It wasn't the perfect woman. It was actually that feeling of being home, that feeling of, ah, I can rest and relax in this relationship. I can commit to the long term, and I don't have to go out and look for something else because I've got what I'm looking for right here. 
And how did you figure out, was it through the Love Styles quiz with Krista that you figured out that your deepest need was security? Um, it, or did you it, figure that out before you met her? Well, or? we we actually were partners in business before we were uh, lovers ah. and uh, and partners. And so it was actually through studying with Carista. Carista was the expert, and she taught me what it was I was looking for. <laughs> and then, uh-huh. then when I sure her, it was her. <laughs> when I was ready for the for the next relationship, I realized she was the one. So it was, worked out perfectly for me. <laughs> We've both come out of relationships, and we're in a kind of a resting cycle. Um, the, the, in addition to this very strong inspiration that we we feel is important, which is when you discover your love style, if it's in the insecure and or trauma spectrum, anywhere mild to, to significant insecurity, you can rewire, and it doesn't depend on someone else in terms of a long-term commitment. It's much faster if you have the commitment with the other person to actually go into this healing attachment, the fifth love style, and practice the practices. It it really swiftens it. And for those who are single, it is important that you start to discern if you keep choosing couples. I mean, you're in a couple dynamic or you choose polyamory or one of the other dynamics where you feel like it leaves you in a sense of, I can't depend on this one person all the time. In a polyamory relationship, which I know you had asked, we, we, we discuss, we, we don't have a morality around it in terms of where we come from. We do see that unless the polyamorous relationship really, the group... Let me just stop the couple, for a moment. Some people aren't familiar with the term polyamory, so let me oh. just define it, which is basically, I mean, there's a lot of different um, styles, but the term polyamorous really means many loves. And so some people may have a lot or, or several, maybe two, three, several lovers. Four, somewhat significant relationships, but they're not um, mutually exclusive. And yeah. sometimes it's more of a committed marriage where there's um, a, a primary relationship, a committed relationship, and even children in the household. But the parents have other uh, less significant relationships with other people, including sex. So I just kind of wanted to give people the context. Yes. What's polyamory? Okay. Yes. Yes. Sorry about that. That's um, okay. So but the essence of what I'm saying is that each person has to, or we're offering them the opportunity to look at whether when they're in a committed monogamous relationship, whoever they're with, do they feel a sense of security? And how important is it to them? And if they feel insecure that they could be rejected or abandoned, whether it's monogamy, you know, or polyamory or whatever they're choosing, whether they want to feel they can feel at peace, they can trust the person, and the impact if they can't, how much they're preoccupied with jealousy or fear of rejection, and that you can do something about that if you have a partner to rewire with. And if you're not in partnership, you can begin to discern your next partner whether you want to have this criteria of trust and security as something you want or need, or it doesn't matter to you. So what can people do? Um, you've talked about what singles can do uh, in terms of you know, having that person that's uh, maybe a sister or some other you know, good friend to work through these things with, but what can they do specifically if they're looking for a love partner, an intimate life partner, um, to kind of get, but they don't have that partner yet to work the stuff through with. Yeah. Well, Lai and I both have private practices as well as we work with, with people together individually and as couples. And we 
ask them to really start to look at their particular love style and to clarify whether they feel they feel confident that they're choosing a partner that really fulfills their particular needs and if security and safety is something they want and they've never had it, then we go into the deep review of their childhood dynamics and their history with other partners and look at where they may be subconsciously through their beliefs and their self-identity and their patterning want to rewire themselves. So there's diagnostic period and then there's the actual teaching of new internal practices and awareness and wisdom so the next partner they can know, they can discern quickly whether this partner has the potential or not for what they want. Mm-hmm. Make new fresh uh choices in right. their love life. Once, yeah. once you understand the, the patterns and the love styles, you can see them in other people quite quickly. Mm. And so if you are a person who has continually chosen people who you can be insecure with and you decide you want to be secure, then as you're viewing people as dating partners, uh, you can see their love style and you can say, you know what, this person is not interested or capable in moving towards secure love. I think I'll just pass them on and find someone who is. And so for a single person, it's a great model for screening potential partners. Yeah, it's this cool. So whether you're, oh, I'm sorry, go on. Um, I was going to say one of the red flags is if one has serial experiences of being betrayed or being the betrayer, um, you know, being abandoned and feeling high states of being frightened most of the time, that's a red flag to get some help from an attachment specialist or a trauma specialist. Okay, good. So now, if you did have a lousy childhood and your parents were terrible role models, Um, whether you're single or in a relationship, how much time can a person expect it to take uh, to get them turned around? Well, the studies show in general, some of the attachment studies, that it takes, um, this is a generalization, six months or so in, in the best of circumstances with someone who's savvy and sensitive to be able to rewire with you. It depends if you have trauma attachment, though. If you have trauma attachment and your part, you don't feel safe with your partner and you keep re-triggering and that partner doesn't know how to quell your subconscious projections of trauma, it usually takes a lot longer. It usually involves a couple's therapist and um, it can take more time. For someone who doesn't have a partner, one of my colleagues who's an attachment specialist said it can take up to five years with a good therapist if you have very significant childhood wounding and trauma. So it's really subjective, but I'd say for Lion and myself, and we've been at this for you know a handful of years as specialists, we still get triggered. Um, we have resources now, and it's you know we're we're well over the eighty percent of the time we're not triggered. We're in the ninety fifth. 5% of the time, and yet part of it is realizing we're committed to healing attachment, so if we get triggered, we're going to do something about it, and if we can't do it ourselves, we call upon one of our colleagues who specializes in this for help. So it can be anywhere from, you know, under a year to ongoing, depending on the level of wounding and the cooperation and wisdom of your partner. Right. So what I want to get clear for myself and for listeners mm-hmm. is that although this may sound overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, you know, a year or five years before I can even be ready to be great in a relationship or have a great relationship, whether I'm looking for one or the one I've got, what you're saying is really if you can 
understand your basic love styles and your needs and how to find the, you know, a, a match, a good compatible partner or to work with your current partner. Mm-hmm. It's not the end result may take one to five years, but basically mm-hmm. it's a process. And that yes. process of, do, of working with this person or within yourself is a very deep, rich, transformative process. So it's the, really the journey as much as the destination, I would imagine. Yes, that's right. There, we have uh, one couple we worked with who were ready for divorce. They were, there had been serial betrayals and it was, they were in really bad shape. And by giving them this understanding and giving them specific techniques to use when things got insecure, they very quickly started transitioning toward a secure relationship. And um, it's about about a year later, and they are in wonderful shape. And their marriage is very secure, and it feels better to both of them than it, than it ever has. And they've been in a long-term uh, relationship. So uh, it begins getting better right away. <laughs> so, Great. So you can smart. improve it so- and improve it and improve it. The, you know, the brain does change. The whole field is called neuroplasticity. The brain is a plastic medium, and it can change, and it takes time to set up new patterns. So that's the that's idea is that you'll be done, you'll be done in, in uh, six months to five years, but, but you'll start enjoying the improvements right away. Well, that's, that's promising. <laughs> so yeah. what, can you give us um, a couple of practical tips, um, a practical thing or a couple of practical things that individuals or couples could practice to interrupt their vicious cycle of arguing, fighting, or withdrawing, or, or that an individual can use when they see themselves getting triggered? Sure. As, as I mentioned before, um, you know, taking a, 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 an upset woman and holding her and hugging her is one of the best things we teach men in particular. Mm-hmm. It also works the other way. <laughs> when, when a man is, is upset, uh, for the woman to come up and, and very gently approach, if, especially if he's avoidant, is to very gently come up and approach, approach him and, and hold him, bringing him out of his avoidance. What about um, for the man who really wants, to, or the person, either way, who really indicates at least whether it's true or not that indicates to the other that they want to be left alone either because they go in another room or you know pull away when the person tries to hug them well first we we instruct people to be very sensitive to the other person's needs but to also know that their needs are deeper than what they say so um for example if if a woman says leave me alone uh what the deeper need is is hug me. <laughs> yeah, I've been, but, I've been the one who's like go off in the other room crying. Is like, well, why isn't it coming in? Just exactly. So what it takes is is a lot of sensitivity and and a very gentle approach. Uh, for example, if if a man is if a woman is feeling that way, and the man can say, "Come here, honey," with open arms. And that's an invitation. It's not a go up and grab her. You know, if you grab a woman and she's she hits you, you know that you that she is not wanting that. <laughs> okay. So, so it, it requires it requires sensitivity and also knowing that what we really want, what we what our child, our inner child wants, is to be held. And so um, the other love languages are eye gazing and tone of voice. And so when we get triggered, often our voices escalate and we are yelling or, or speaking harshly. And so if, if we can learn how to move our voices down a notch and go, okay, honey, I understand that you feel hurt right now. That kind of tone of voice change can also shift the person out of that red state 
into yellow and then eventually green. So body language, hugging, touching, very gentle touching, uh, tone of voice, and eye gazing, looking the person right in the eye with friendly eyes, not angry eyes, and to, and to extend your empathy, your heart, energy, your understanding. These are things that, that really cool down the amygdala quickly. Sounds yeah, some great. people, particularly if they've been traumatized through touch or they don't feel safe for whatever reason because of their wiring, how will you know if touch works? You can ask them, or if you go to touch and they pull away, you just know that's not, the prim- that's not their primary language in the moment. So it might work sometimes and they're just too triggered and they feel like they need space. That's okay. Then you work with your eyes. And if your eyes are soft or your tone of voice, then they'll go, oh, this is an ally here. They're not going to attack me. I can tell that they're not in an aggression-threatening mode, and therefore I can open to what they're saying. And then you can move towards, I need a hug, or let's go lie down and talk about it. Lion and I find that our processing cycles cut in it's not even in half. Like when went from you know. Speaking of long... cutting, I'm so sorry, Carista, but we're going to have to cut to the sure. end of the show here. Okay. So I'm sorry to cut you off, but this has been no so enlightening. And again, I want to tell people how to get to your love styles quiz. Go to tinyurl.com/lovestylequiz. Six. That's the number six. And once you take that quiz, which only takes five minutes, I believe you'll find out about the five keys to a secure and passionate relationship, your program. Is that right? Yes. It's part of, uh, part of our report. Okay. It tells you about the program. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you both, Carista Luminaire and Lion Goodman, for being guests on my show today and telling us all about love styles. There's so much more one can learn, obviously, and how we can enhance our relationships in a very deep way with your, your quiz and your program. Thank you for listening to Ecstatica. Join me next week when we discuss how sexual energy reveals your essence with Raphael Kushner. This is Ellen Etoff wishing you an erotic, ecstatic love life. We hope you've learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 